than beach balls. But uh, here we go. Let's celebrate with some graduates.
is the big deal, and we celebrate together. Uh, Paige O'Fallon, what is she up to following graduation? Paige right now, let's see here. So Paige uh, is actually doesn't have anything planned just yet for the exception of her uh, vacation with her family to the lower 48 and also meeting up at Fine Arts. And Eric Leggett. Eric Leggett is actually going to basic training for the United States Army in June. Army, whoa! I think that's the Army word, huh? Miley. Miley is actually going to be doing some internship with music video production, and then she's also looking to, into some business program degree. She won, like, a uh, national competition in video, video production, yeah, number one. High school, yep. That's pretty yep, cool. Number one. And the... Jordan Martin. Jordan Martin is actually looking into getting into middle school uh, ministry. Uh, he's got a heart for uh, the uh, going against suicide, and yeah. uh, he's just looking to get out there and to uh, help in the ministry, actually. Yeah, he so. feels called to help teenagers, teenagers avoid yeah. suicide. Yeah. That's a beautiful deal. Randy Hansen. Randy Hansen, actually, this through high school, has actually completed about, I think it was like 30 eight percent or 34 percent something like that of her bachelor's degree in arts actually and she's going to actually continue that yeah so a lot of our students are doing that in their last couple years of high school they're getting a year or two of their college done at the same time which is a fantastic thing now tate is the guy with the long blonde hair he just did a uh let's see he did a bachelor's of of philosophy at UAA, and his dream is to be a missionary in Russia. Missionary he in did Russia. a high alpha internship in Russia, and he hopes to go back and live there. Jake Hansen. Jake Hansen actually uh, finished a degree in air traffic controlling. And he is. Actually, he's working in that field already. So He is. And then Jordan Kessler. Actually, I'm not sure. Jordan Kessler that. finished his uh, degree in accounting. He has a job in Juneau starting in a couple of weeks, and he is in pursuit of his CPA license. So congratulations. Uh, there's Jordan back there. Come on Jordan, up, Jordan. Come on up, Jordan. Uh, Drew, I didn't see you. Come on up. And, and where's Courtney? Courtney? We have Come two of our uh, graduates in this service. And Courtney uh, is doing the Chi Alpha Internship at UAA next year. And I'm trying to memorize your degree. It is in environmental... Environment in society, environment and society. And so we got a lot of smart people up here on the stage. Come on over, Jordan and Courtney. And uh, Drew, we'd like for you to say a prayer over our two graduates that are with us today. Masha, what's your son's degree in? Health and Human Services and Business. That's from George Fox University. Is that correct? And so we celebrate with these uh, graduates today. Drew, would you lead us in prayer as we pray for Jordan and Courtney? Thank you. Lord God, thank you so much for these young adults in this church, God. Uh, We just want to thank you first for what you're doing in their lives. We thank you for the parents in this congregation, Lord. You can see the results of the time and the dedication that they've put into um, leading their children to you, Christ. And now they're adults and they're leading others to Christ. Yeah. I pray, Lord God, that you will just bless their next steps, wherever it may be, Lord God, that you will just be with them along the way and just place your Holy Spirit in their heart and guide them into the greatest love they could experience and help them guide others into that love. We pray all this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How about a big cheer for these two graduates today? Yeah, very good. Thank you, Alex. If you take your message notes today, we will begin our uh, conversation in a moment. 
I almost forgot, Mr. Hewton, the offering. So he always reminds me, you forgot the offering. Okay, so get your message notes and your offering. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of serving you. We thank you for the delight of studying your word. We thank you for loving one another here. What a privilege to be amongst friends, people who encourage our faith. What a privilege to celebrate with those who graduate. We thank you now in Jesus' name for the employment opportunities that we have. Our has always been you. In Alaska, our source has never been our position. Our source has always been you. And we trust in you, O oh God. We rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. We have so many services, you don't always get to know what's happening in the other services. So I'll give you a little. Uh, Gemma Rose Iona Huseman will be dedicated in the next service. A wonderful baby coming to the Lord in dedication, born in February of this year. We have a water baptism in the next service as well. And we celebrate with another water baptism in our Strong Tower service that starts at 1.30. And so your congregation has a bunch of exciting things happening, and we appreciate that so very much. At the end of the service today, we will be praying over Joseph McMahon. Joseph is a new ministry, uh, not intern, but uh, associate, missionary associate to India. And he leaves Thursday of this week for India, uh, asking God to give him grace and favor as he serves in his one-year assignment in India. Let's study the word of the Lord together today. Proper confession and belief are vital to growing to your full potential in Christ. We are uh, having the time of our lives, at least I am, uh, asking God to take us to our full potential. You don't ever really want to get to the end of your life having left a lot of your skill set and talent and possibility on the table. You want to, you want to uh, go out to your fullest capacity, to your greatest potential. And I get the joy of uh, encouraging that and breathing on that and, and trusting in God to help you reach for uh, greater things. When I was younger, I heard a poem. Uh, it said that a man's reach should exceed his grasp or what's a heaven for? I thought, I don't really get that, but now I do. And, and, and you want to be able to dream just beyond what you can do. You want to have, you don't want to have such a big dream that you're always depressed that you didn't make it, but you don't want to have such a low dream that it doesn't call you to do great things. And so that poem is a man's reach should exceed his grasp or what's a heaven for. And I want you to be motivated to have your best summer ever. Either that or we just had our shortest summer ever. I don't know which it was, but uh, we want you to believe that God is up to great things. Uh, we want you to, we want you to, to step out by faith. We want you to live the dream. A guy named Russell Throckmorton, part of our church, lives out in Wasilla now. Uh, whenever you ask him, he's a young man. Whenever you ask him, how are you, Russell? He says, I'm living the dream. How about you say it with me? I'm living the dream. That's a good confession right there. That's what we want. We don't want doubt to stop you. We don't want unbelief to stop you. We don't want fear to stop you. Uh, we, if your dream is something you can do in your own power, it's not really much of a dream. 
You want a dream that's bigger than you. You want a dream that calls you. And so in my wedding, Paula and our wedding, I, we had a little concert before because I had all these songs that are important to me. And I wanted those songs in the wedding. And uh, so we just did a concert and then we had the actual wedding uh, ceremony. We did a Steve Green song that, at that uh, ceremony that said, Give me a cause that is grand and a reason to stand that calls for the best I can be. Wow, that fires me up. I want something to be the best I can be. I need you to call me to be the best I can be. I need God to call me to the best I can be. I want to be inspired. I want to live an inspired life. I want to live an inspired life, and I want to live an inspiring life. Have you ever been around somebody and thought, you know, if I was with you two more minutes, I might want to jump off a cliff. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they just take out all the inspiration. You come in like, yes, it's a great day. And like two minutes later around them, you're like, oh, Lord, why was I born? And uh, I want to, I don't only want to have an inspired life. I want to have an inspiring life. I want, I hope when you bump into me, you feel like you can have a better day. I hope you, I hope you feel like I can tackle one more, one more deal. Uh, I can make it one more day or, or whatever that situation may be. We're coming people of realized potential. It's, uh, it's related today in this talk to confession and belief. Confession and belief. Out of Romans 10, 9, and 10, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Super important. With the mouth you confess and with the heart you believe. Now, confessions are not true and life-giving because I confess them. This is a major uh, problem when you use the word confess. Some people teach that your words are creative power and that when you say your words, you actually create your reality. In a sense, that might be remotely true, but only God, to my knowledge, has the ability to create fiat, F-I-A-T. Fiat means by speaking. And I can say all I want, Turbo Carrera 911, I can say it all I want, and I'm not going to create a Turbo 911 Carrera in my driveway. And so people misunderstand the biblical understanding of confession, Confessions are not true in life-giving because I confess them. I confess them because they are true. For example, uh, it goes the other way. So, uh, for example, uh, you might have a situation in your life and you confess a certain thing, but that's not going to do any good unless God has already set it in motion to happen. The word confess means to agree with what God has said. That's what the word confess is in the Bible. It means to agree with something that is true. And so when you go to a judge and you have been charged with something and you confess, what you are saying is, the charge you have against me is accurate. The charge you have against me is accurate. I am agreeing with that confession. I am agreeing with what's true. 
Uh, so for example, uh, you might be dealing with a certain situation and God says, I've got that covered. You hear a word from the Lord, I've got that covered. Then you stand and you confess, God has that covered. Now that, that confession is powerful and life-giving because God already set it in motion. So we are not people of positive thinking alone. Positive thinking is awesome. I just mentioned the drudgery of being around negative thinkers. But positive thinking is not an item that changes reality. Positive thinking is just positive thinking. Christian confession is to see what God's doing and declare it in your life. Praise the Lord. To see what God has said and declare it in your life. Uh, uh, one one positive confession I experienced was I was reading the Bible and uh, I was uh, in Psalms and it says, I shall not die but live. I shall not die but live. And the phone rings. And I go, hello? They said, uh, uh, Ben Shenham is in the hospital over at Regional and his uh, bowel has been twisted and it's been filling with infection and poison and you need to hurry over because Ben Shenham is about to die. So I jump in my car and I head over to uh, Regional Hospital to say goodbye to Ben Shenham. And when I walked in the room, the Lord said to me, that's why you are reading the verse, I shall not die but live. I said, hey, Ben. He goes, uh, what? He goes, this is my favorite line from Ben Shenham. This getting to heaven isn't all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was miserable. And I said, hey, Ben. You shall not die but live. And he goes, do you mean that, Pastor Kent? I said, the Lord told me you shall not die but live. He lived like 10 more years after that, just fine. I was confessing what God had already said to me. I didn't really know it was about Ben, but I knew God was speaking to me. So I could walk into your room and go, you shall not die but live, and you could just die instantly. Unless the Lord is doing it, you can say it all you want, and it's not really changing anything. But when the Lord says it, and you say it, it's an unbeatable combination. All right? You understand what I'm saying? I'm suggesting that confession is important when it's anchored on the Word of God. When it's anchored on what God says about uh, you, about the world, about the situation. Secondly, beliefs are not true in life-giving because I believe them. Just because I believe something doesn't make it life-giving and true. Uh, who is it? Uh, uh, the Boston Celtic. Uh, Kyrie Irving. He's an awesome basketball player. Anybody know Kyrie Irving basketball player? He believes the earth is flat. I say, hey, Kyrie, stick to basketball. You know what I'm saying? Just because you believe it with all your heart doesn't make it true. Doesn't make it life-giving. So just because you confess it doesn't mean that it's accurate. And just because you believe it doesn't make it accurate. It's not true in life-giving because I believe it. I believe them because they're actually true in life-giving. Praise God. Uh, I believe it because it's true and life-giving. How many of you have been spoken in the middle of your sickness? The Lord has spoken to you uh 
you shall be healed, or my healing is on the way, or however, however the word of the Lord comes to you, I got that covered, you're going to be all right. And you stand there and you listen to whatever is being said to you by others, and you know you are going to confess what God put in your heart, I am healed in Jesus' name. And other people look at you like you lost your marbles, and you say, you know what, that's because you didn't hear the word from God. I heard the word from God and I'm believing the Lord's report. Amen. There's always many, many reports to believe. There's always many reports to believe. There's always many reports to believe. So you train yourself to believe the report of the Lord. And when the Lord gives you the report, you say, I believe the Lord's report. Because believing does not make it happen. But believing is anchored in what God has already done. Let me say it's not in the notes, but it is a corollary. The word hope. Uh, will the Seahawks win the Super Bowl this year? I hope so. Well, that's like got zero chance of happening. Uh, but I hope. So when we say uh, Jesus is returning, uh, do you hope so? Yeah, I hope Jesus is returning. Is that the same shot as the Seahawks winning the Super Bowl? No. The biblical word hope is different than the English word hope. The biblical word hope is that because God has set it in motion and it's already a done deal, it's just not here yet. So when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of the virgin. So in time, God has set some things in motion, already set in motion, and he's told us that's already set in motion. Already set in motion. Motion, it's a done deal. My hope is in that thing that God has already set in motion. Is Jesus coming back again? I hope so, because it's already set in motion. It's already started. Are you going to be healed? Some of you, it's already been set in motion. It's when the fullness of time comes, and it might be at the last second. Or, you know, one time, my next door neighbor came to me years ago, and she said, uh, my boyfriend is wicked, and he's lost, and he's hopeless. And I said, you know, God's at work in him, but it could take years. You know, he'll come to Christ, but it could take years. You got to get ready, uh, what I call it, a long-term reconciliation plan. You got to be ready for the long haul because God sometimes works really slow. This was on Saturday. The next day, Sunday, he sat right over here, got up and gave his heart to Jesus. I said, well, I was trying to get you ready just in case it, God had already set in motion and I didn't have the faith to see it. So some of y'all, it's already set in motion by God. The second coming is a great illustration. God has already set in motion the arrival of Jesus Christ on that day and we are waiting for it to arrive. So we're not like, I hope so. It's like, no, I know it's happening so my hope is in it. And so when we confess and we believe, we aren't doing the new age thing of humming and a uh, uh, funny joke, a, a lady was trying to lose weight, so she took up uh, yoga and her mantra was hot fudge Sunday. <laughs> so that didn't work so good. We're not in new age. We're not trying to do mental games. We are saying when God says it, we confess it. And when God says it, we believe it. And this particular verse is about Jesus is Lord. 
Jesus, say it with me. Jesus is Lord. That's a done deal. That's a done deal. You can confess that and you are confessing a done deal. And you can believe it because when you believe it, you're believing a done deal. Because you confess it doesn't make it true. Because you believe it doesn't make it true. It's true whether you confess it or believe it or not. Now this is totally against uh, what we might call postmodernity. That what you believe is your reality. And so uh, whatever, whatever a postmodern person believes is their reality. And so they want to argue with their reality against your reality. The problem is in the Bible, God established reality. Whether you confess it or believe it or not, he's still Lord. Whether you confess it or believe it or not, he is king of kings. Whether you confess it or believe it or not, he is the determiner of morality and immorality. And so we get used to this idea that Jesus is Lord is a fact. And I hope I get to be there. I don't know how eternity is going to roll out. But I, I, I think it's going to roll out like this. Uh, does the Bible not say every knee shall bow and every tongue confess? What? That Jesus is Lord. I think God's going to let us all be there because heaven's pretty huge and he can have a crowd of a couple billion people, no problem. And uh, think of his giant screen. You know what I'm saying? You got to watch all this. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to be there when the famous atheists bow before the king and say, I had it wrong. Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to be there when Hitler bows and says, Jesus Christ is Lord. I want to be there when Voltaire says, Jesus Christ is Lord. In fact, I want to be there when you say, Jesus Christ is Lord. And I want you to be there when I say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. It's powerful. It's a, it's a tremendous deal. And so all Christian confessions, take all the Christian creeds and confessions, they all flow out of this verse. This is the most succinct creed in all of Christianity. Jesus is Lord. Now, people think I'm a little weird, and uh, I am, and so uh, I admit to that. But I take, I take the Bible pretty literally. Uh, generally, if there's more than one interpretation, I take the literal one. So uh, you probably get an email from me from time to time, and you were supposed to do this or that, and I sign it, and I say, TLW. TLW. That is not an emoji or that is not a short three-letter T that anybody uses. As far as I know, I'm the only guy on the planet who uses it. Because the Bible says, do not say tomorrow I will do this or that. It says tomorrow say, if the Lord wills, I will do this or that. So I say, the Lord willing. Paula says, do you want to have lunch today? I say, yeah, it'd be wonderful. The Lord willing. They say, you don't take it so literal. You don't have to say the Lord willing. I know you don't, but the Bible says to. So I take it pretty literal. I say Jesus is Lord about 282 times a day. 
And uh, if you get in communication from me and you express some kind of situation, you're going to get this shortest, most succinct Christian creed from me over and over again. I've done it three times by email and text even this morning to people communicating to me. Uh, I want to do this, that, and the other. Just before we even talk, Jesus is Lord. Well, I'm considering, I'm con- Jesus is Lord. I don't know about this ailment or that, but Jesus is Lord. It is the most succinct creed in all of Christianity, and the Bible nails it in Romans 10, 9, and says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Get used to that. Get comfortable with that. Jesus is Lord. The most succinct and powerful of the beliefs is God raised Jesus from the dead. Powerful belief. God, the most powerful confession, Jesus is Lord. And the most powerful belief, God raised Jesus from the dead. All in the one little verse. I mean, it's, I should have counted how many words there are. It's just like in one little verse, he, he wraps this whole big deal right around and says, you know what? If you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it's, all, it's good. It's good. And so you're there and you're finding out this news or that news. And you say, you know, Doc, just before you continue, I just want to say God raised Jesus from the dead. And they'll look at you like, uh, maybe if they're not a Christian doctor, they'll look at you like, like you're from another planet. And in fact, you are from another planet. You're from a planet where Jesus is Lord and where uh, he, God raised his son Jesus from the dead. The most powerful confession and the most powerful belief wrapped up in one tiny little verse. Are you all okay today? I'm up here getting really blessed, and I can't tell if you're, like, getting blessed along with me. Now, he doesn't just leave it there. He said, hold it. It's with your mouth you confess. Verse number 10. It says, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And so he says, not only do you confess and believe, but he tells you, you confess with your mouth and you believe with your heart. Here's the most common one that cracks me up on this. Pastor Kent, can I have a secret baptism? No. Baptism is intended to be a public confession of your faith. The whole reason, if you need a private baptism, we call it a shower, right? Uh, just enjoy that. It's public. I'm going public with my confession. Jesus is Lord. What is the water of baptism? It's the grave. When you go into the water, you go into the death of Christ. When you come out of the water, you come out in resurrection life. And it's a public declaration. It is your great confession that Jesus Christ is Lord in your life. And you're serving him with all your heart. So with your mouth, you confess. Well, I'm I'm praying silently. No, you're thinking. You don't pray silently. You think silently. You don't confess silently. Well, inside I'm confessing. No, it's with your mouth you confess, he says. And I think this is a big deal in Paul's day because if you confessed, you could get killed. You know that back in, in Paul's day, it was like, I believe, dead. And uh, so people are going like, I believe in my heart. I'm just not letting anybody know. I'm a secret believer. And although there is a space for that, Paul wants to like cut that off at the root and say, knock it off. Don't, don't confess in your heart quietly. Confess with your mouth. 
Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Declare it with your mouth. Yeah, my friend Joe Featon is a very political pastor. He, he really likes politics. He has a degree in political science. And, and so they always want him to pray. He's like the big wig Republican in the Northwest area. They always want him to pray. And so they ask him to pray at this king, uh, kingdom, but that new arena down where the kingdom used to be, there's going to be like 40,000, 50,000 people there for the rally. They said, we really want you to pray, please. We just would like you not to pray to Jesus. He's like, I don't pray to anybody but God through Jesus. Why? Because they didn't want him to confess Jesus in public. You know, my, uh, my friend is a, was a civil rights officer for FAA, Mel Williams. He had 3,000 employees under his care for civil rights. He could put in his cubicle the Dallas Cowboys star. No problem. But he had to take down his sign, Jesus is Lord. Because the FAA doesn't want you to confess Jesus is Lord at work. But guess what? Uh, we're going to confess Jesus is Lord whether the FAA likes it or not. You know what I'm saying? Okay, feeling alone right now. Uh, I need my job more than I need Jesus is Lord. No, you need your confession Jesus is Lord more than you need your job. So what you confess with your mouth should be what you believe in your heart. Because if you, the next line, if what you confess, you don't believe, you're a hypocrite. It's just hypocrisy. Jesus is Lord. If you don't believe it, don't say it. It's just hypocrisy. Back up. What you believe in your heart should be what you confess with your mouth. I really, I really, this is what I believe. I'm going to declare my belief because belief without confession is doubtful and incomplete. Notice the tension of confession and believing in John 12. This is amazing. Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in Jesus. Many of the authorities believed. You know who that is? That's like the high priest, Caiaphas. These are the, these are the leaders in the synagogue. Even the authorities in the synagogue believe in Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it because they would be put out of the synagogue for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Oh man, what a culturally powerful sentence right here. Uh, all of you that like Dr. Perkins and all of you that do uh, things where you need to declare the lordship of Jesus, you know you're tiptoeing down legal uh, uh, fine line. Because when, 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 when you pray with a patient in the hospital, we had one of our doctors the other, other year, he prayed with a patient in the hospital and the patient complained, didn't want to be prayed for in that way. And, and basically this doctor was just declaring Jesus is Lord on his surgery patient, but the patient filed an ethical complaint. So you know this is back. This verse, is, I'm just happy to be here. End up at... Um, at East Anchorage High School as the principal, and you say, you know what? I'm just happy to be here today. I just want to say, Jesus is Lord. You might be unemployed, I tell you. And I, I don't think you need to say Jesus is Lord until you need to say Jesus is Lord. But when you need to say it, you need to say it. And, uh, and you, you guys tracking with that okay? How our culture's kind of driving our primary creed off the agenda. Uh, the, uh, uh, did anybody see President Trump's speech for Resurrection Sunday? Did anybody see that? 
Well, I was happy. He was giving it a shot. You know, he's not a theologian. He's a... He's like a new Christian. Uh, Mike Pence is a great Christian. The vice president of the United States is a great Christian. He told a friend of mine, he said, President Trump is a Christian. A itty bitty 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 baby one. And uh, so uh, I don't know how that rolls. But, but I was happy to hear him say on this holiday where Jesus rose from the dead, we need to shout it from the rooftops. See, early Christians then said Jesus is Lord is a great creed. But we actually believe more than Jesus is Lord. That covers it. But we have, we have more that, that we really believe. And so the creed that they came up with is called the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles didn't write it. It is a collection of the Apostles' teaching. And when you see that it's written for you in your notes, they start with the word I. All the creeds start with the word we. This is the only creed that starts with the word I. And the reason being is this is the baptismal creed. So when you are to be baptized in the early church, you would stand here on this stage in front of all of y'all and you would say, I believe, and you would state the apostles creed that you had memorized. In other words, I am confessing the teaching of the apostles. I am confessing the teaching of the apostles. You'll see one line, I believe in God. That's covering the Father. The next several lines, I believe in Jesus Christ, covering God the Son. The next group of words, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And so you stand up and you confess. You are saying, uh, uh, if you confess with your mouth, I confess with my mouth, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, Howard has asked me to remind y'all when we say, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, it is not a statement about Catholicism. That is the same word used in a different way. Uh, we are saying that we believe in the Christian church of all times and all places. In other words, the universal church is called the Catholic Church. Howard said, you know, when you do the Apostles' Creed or the Nicene Creed or the Athanasius Creed, uh, people get confused on the word Catholic. Well, let's check this one out. I think this one's really fun. Uh, I've read an entire study of uh, 1,500 creeds. A guy named Yaroslav Pelikan is now deceased. He researched nearly 1,000 Christian creeds. And the reason is because in different times and different places, words have different meaning. So here's one. Uh, our Father art in heaven, I'll be the name of thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Forgive us our... Oh, or is it debts? Or is it trespasses? Because the idea of sin had a new picture for it. Back in one day, the worst sin you could do is to trespass on somebody else's property. And as a sinner, I have trespassed and I have gone into places I shouldn't go. Forgive me my trespasses. In another time, the worst sin you could do is not pay your debt. To not pay your debt. And so, in that usage of the prayer, it's Lord, and forgive us our debts. And both are accurate. They're pictures of sin that changes over time. And in this uh, creedal statements, they kind of get different pictures in different places. 
I preached in Burkina Faso, and I preached on, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. It was my first sermon uh, that started all the building programs and everything we've done in Burkina Faso. This is my first sermon. I wanted to say, God needs to build this thing or we're toast. So I said, you know, some people get steel and they pour the concrete and some people have sheetrock and some people do masonry. And I did this great sermon on unless the Lord builds the house. Three or four Muslims got saved that day. It was a beautiful thing. I have a goal to lead people to Christ on every continent. I got to do an evangelism trip to Antarctica. But nonetheless, I have a goal to lead people to Christ. I'm all excited, man, unless the Lord builds the house. Afterwards, Pastor Palantari was helping me because I'm, I'm a young preacher learning. He said, Kent, you know, our people don't really understand steel and concrete and bricks and all sheetrock and all the stuff you were saying. I said, oh, he goes, don't worry. I fixed it. <laughs> he, he translated with the building terms they have. So Jesus is Lord works everywhere. But when you get into more details, you got to add a little local flavor. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you got to add a little. So go to the middle paragraph of the Maasai creed. This one is cool. This is uh, the Maasai people in Kenya area. The, uh, I think the Perkins were there, the Amboseli Park and, and uh, Maasai Mara, that place. Uh, these people, they wanted to write a creed that they tracked with. We believe that God made good his promise by sending his son, Jesus Christ, a man in the flesh, a Jew by tribe, born in a little village. This is my favorite line. Who left his home and was always on safari doing good. Isn't that cool? Curing people by the power of God, teaching about God and man, showing the meaning of religion is love. He was rejected by his people, tortured and nailed hands and feet to a cross and died. He laid buried in the grave. Here we go. But the hyenas did not touch him. And on the Lord is from the grave. He ascended to the skies. He is the Lord. You see what they're doing? Jesus is Lord. And how does that make sense in the jungles of the Maasai tribe? It makes sense that this Jesus was always on safari and the hyenas couldn't touch his dead body. It makes sense. All right, so that's my introduction. I have a couple minutes for my sermon. Today is Thomas Sunday. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, he appeared to the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And so uh, he's bummed out. He missed it. And Thomas, they said, hey, Thomas, we saw Jesus. He goes, no, you didn't. I am not a bozo. I am not challenge. Dead people don't walk. Dead people don't show up. I don't believe you. And they said, no, we saw Jesus. No, you didn't see Jesus. Then Jesus showed up and said, hey, Thomas, uh, they did see me. He said, here, put your finger in my, my nail print and put your finger in the wound in my side. You see, this text invites us into this confess-believe conundrum, this confess-believe tension. Now, Thomas, one of the disciples called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples took him. We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hands into his side, I will never believe. 
Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it on my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Is Thomas the heel or the hero? I suggest he's both. Why? Because without a doubt, Thomas missed it. And then Thomas got it. And then Thomas changed the world. Why is this good for me today? Because I miss it sometimes too. I hate missing it. Do you love Jesus, say I? And then you miss it. You know what I'm talking about? Thomas did not not love Jesus. Thomas was a good guy. Thomas didn't even sin. He didn't disbelieve Jesus. He didn't disbelieve the Bible. He disbelieved a couple of his buddies who said a dead guy's alive. He's going, no, he isn't. I went to the funeral. You know, if I were to say, hey, here's J.L. Cox, you'd all go, no, she, she died. I went to her funeral. So Thomas isn't like an uh, out-of-touch-with-reality guy. He just missed it that time. And then he got it. And then he changed the world. And Joseph, I picked this today partly for you, my brother. Because Thomas left Israel after this experience and evangelized India. There are eight churches in India that exist today that Thomas started, even though in this moment he just couldn't quite believe yet. And so just for my interest's sake, I went to the Greek, and I thought I'd, I thought I'd just check it out. What's Thomas's name? His name is blank Thomas. Which one? Doubting. Doubting Thomas, right? The word doubt isn't in the Bible anywhere in this passage. He never doubted. He just didn't believe yet. And doubt and not yet believing are different. Doubt and not yet believing are different. So Thomas, he's just honest. He says, you know what? I don't really believe you guys. I went to the funeral. Jesus is dead. And you're saying he's alive. Authentic honesty is necessary. If you are listening to this conversation and you have some not yet capacity to believe, you're in a good place with Thomas. Thomas couldn't believe yet either. Thomas couldn't believe yet either. Honest. Oh yeah, I'm fine, I'm fine. You don't, if you don't believe it, just say, I'm not, I'm not fine. I don't believe that right now. God's got it all in control. If you don't believe that, say, God, I don't feel like you've got it in control right now. Honest, authentic confession. He confessed all right. He just confessed, I don't believe that. Well, Thomas' disbelief and the others on the other disciples' report, we have seen the Lord, is a huge mistake and error. We don't make him a hero because he didn't believe yet. It's a mistake to not believe. 
You say, you know what, Kent, you're talking about Jesus can do this in my life and that in my life. You're talking about heaven and hell's gates and all this. I'm just not ready to believe. I grieve because every day you go in disbelief, you're missing out on a day of the beauty of belief. You can say a sinner's prayer on your deathbed, having lived all your life without the joy of belief. And so it's a huge mistake to not believe. And mistakes are errors that are costly and painful. And we, we do him an injustice by labeling him Doubting Thomas. If you, uh, I was listening to a guy, he's not a friend of mine, but I was listening to a preacher. He said he was preaching on this text and a Jewish, uh, Orthodox Jewish family came and they're sitting in the front row. And he reads this text and they're not Christian, they're Orthodox Jews. And, uh, and uh, afterwards, uh, he said, you know, can I talk to you, Pastor? He was talking to the Christian pastor. He said, you guys got it all wrong. When you read that passage, you got it all wrong. The story isn't that he doubted. The story is that after not believing, he came to believe. He said, you need to call that believing Thomas. Believing Thomas. And so you're in doubt. I don't know if God will. I don't know if he's able. I'm not sure. I, 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 you're, right where, you're right where Thomas was. You're in pre-belief. But Jesus is gracious and merciful and kind by meeting Thomas in the place of his disbelief. I ask you today, if there is a measure of disbelief in your life on this Thomas Sunday, and you have an area where you can't quite believe that, I just can't quite believe that. We invite you to come to a place of saying, Jesus, will you meet me in my place of disbelief? Right right where you think God won't show up, he loves to show up. Right in the midst of pre-belief or right in the midst of disbelief, he likes to show up and make himself known just like he did to Thomas. Did he rebuke Thomas? No. Did he, did he say, Thomas, what is wrong with you, man? Why can't you believe your brothers? No. He said lovingly, Thomas, I heard you say, because I was listening, unless I can put my hand in his hand and put my hand on the scars, I will never believe. And, and I love you so much, and you need a little help in your belief right now, Thomas. So put her there. There's my hands, buddy. Here's my side. And you're in the midst of that Thomas tension. And you're saying, you know what? I, 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 don't know if I, can, I don't know if I can believe right now. Brothers and sisters, Jesus will meet you in the place of your disbelief. And then he corrects Thomas and says, Thomas, do not disbelieve, but believe. In other words, come on, Tom. You're a man of belief. And you're just in a phase right now. Some of you have some kids that are in a phase right now. You have some kids that are in a phase right now. Listen, I'm not, I just switched from talking to speaking from a heavenly source. You have some kids who are in a phase of disbelief right now. Jesus will show himself faithful in their season of disbelief. And you don't have to lead them to Christ. Christ will come to them and say, are you doubting 
here's my hands, here's my side, and all your prayers, I'm not saying don't pray, I'm saying all your prayers will be answered by Jesus showing up to the Thomases in your life and saying, I know you're a good guy, and I know you love me, but you're in a season of disbelief. The famous atheist that travels the world evangelizing for atheism was a Christian until on his wedding day, his fiancée was killed in a car wreck. And that car wreck put him in a phase of disbelief from there cannot be a God in the world today if fiancés can die on their way to the wedding. I understand that. But Mr. Famous Atheist, the Jesus that came to Thomas is going to be the Jesus who comes to you. And in your deepest moment of disbelief, he will make himself known in a way that you join Thomas, who's the only disciple in all the Bible who ever said this line, my Lord and my God. Peter didn't say it. Paul didn't say it. Matthew, Bartholomew, the only one was the guy who had this phase of disbelief. And Jesus came to him and said, you know what? I'm going to show you that you can believe. Immediately, Thomas corrects his way and says, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And then, let's close. This is the hardest one for Americans. And I, I'm going to invite you. Uh, our our scholarly people get on me every time I say this. And I'm going to keep saying it till our scholarly people agree. Hey, Tom, did you believe because you saw? Yeah, I believed because I saw. I said I wouldn't unless I could see. He said, I'm glad you believe, Tom. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. One of our guys emailed me after I said this last time a couple years ago. He said, are you trying to tell me that I'm supposed to believe without any knowledge and evidence and without seeing it? Yeah, you are. There's a blessing. God, if you show yourself, I'll believe in you. Well, then you're not believing. There's no faith in that. God... I've heard about you, and I'm prone toward disbelief. But I'm going to declare today, in the midst of my disbelief, I believe, the two lines in your notes, before or without seeing. I'm going to believe before. My big deal right now is I'm trying to figure out if I have enough resources to get old. Anybody else trying to figure that out? You know... I have figured out I can retire for a day, but I can't afford a walker. <laughs> and so uh, uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to say, you know what, God? You uh, know uh, uh, what? I confess that you said I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. And because of Jesus, I'm righteous. I confess without seeing my retirement in the future, I, see, I can't put it in my hand. I'm getting old. I can't see it, I can't put it in my hand, and I can't measure it, but I got God who is faithful. And so you have to believe without seeing. They say, seeing is believing. 
Say it with me. Seed is believing. No, not at all. Believing is seeing. Amen. Believing is seeing. Do you prophesy over your situations? I tried a little prophecy last night. I don't mean the spirit-led prophecy. I mean Kent-led prophecy. I was prophesying right here. I got on the Sri Lanka church. I said, God, I see a church unified, healed from this. I see a church that gets along. I see the Protestants and the Catholics and the Orthodox there in Sri Lanka coming together to show the world that Jesus overcomes terrorist attacks. The love of God is bigger than Islamic extremist violence. I see God. I just began to, I was seeing something for Sri Lanka and I was confessing what I saw for Sri Lanka, but I, I, it hasn't happened. I can't say, oh, look what God's doing in Sri Lanka. I'm saying, you know what? I'm, I'm believing it, and I'm going to see it. Are you tracking with me? We got a little baby. The grandparents are in room 263 watching now. We got a little grandbaby about this big. Uh, already on uh, dialysis. I forgot maybe maybe eight hours a day every day. I don't know the details, but a long dialysis every day for this little baby. And if I look at what I see, I see dialysis machines. I see heart monitors. I see IVs. I, I see all kinds of stuff with my eyes. Or I can close my eyes and get alone with God and say, God, I see this little baby walking and leaping and praising God. I see this baby with a divine kidney transplant, not done with knives and, and anesthesia, but done by the spirit of the living God. And God, I'm not going to walk by what I see. I'm going to walk by what I believe. And when I hear from you and believe it, I'm going to confess it with my mouth. And I'm going to walk in what you've said, oh God. I'm going to walk in that confession. I'm going to believe before I see. Praise God. And so, this dad says, Jesus, will you heal my son? Jesus said, maybe. He said, well, if you can, Jesus, will you heal my son? Jesus said, if I can? You're talking to Jesus here. What do you mean if I can? If I can... All things are possible if you believe. He said, I believe, Jesus. Say it with me. I believe. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Everybody here that believes has a little area where you can grow in further belief. I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Here's my confession for us, and I'm done. This week, I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that God raised him from the dead because it is with my heart that I believe and am justified and with my mouth that I confess and am saved. This is my favorite line of the whole day. This week, I safari with Jesus and trust him to protect me from the hyenas. Amen. In this time of desperation and all we know is doubt and fear There is only one foundation